Well, shalom and good morning. I didn't see, uh, not all of you were here uh, for Sunday school. Uh, shalom's a Hebrew word. It means hello and goodbye. Some people say that that means that we don't know whether or not we're coming or going. But that's not true. It's also the Hebrew word for peace. So when we greet you with shalom, it's customary to respond with shalom in return. So why don't we try that again, but this time with everyone together a little louder and Jewish style shalom. Much better. I feel much more welcome now. It's good to be here with you. Congratulations on 32 years, Mike, and Cross Point is pretty amazing. Our ministry celebrated 30 um, in January of this year, so uh, we're not far behind you. Good job, brother. For those of you who weren't in Sunday school, I introduced myself. I think most of you know me. My name's Murray Tillis. I'm the founder and executive director of Light of Messiah Ministries. Our ministry is an outreach to the Jewish community. So we spend our time in ministry primarily helping Jewish people hear the message of Jesus. But another part of what we do as a ministry is we want to help our brothers and sisters in Christ learn more about the Jewish people, the Jewish roots of our faith, where we come from as a faith community, connecting the Old Testament and New Testament, and, and helping the church to understand how important it is for the church to take the gospel back to the Jewish people. We talked about this in Sunday school. Uh, a lot of people don't really understand why it's important, where uh, the Jewish people fit in God's heart and God's plan. And, and so we want to help the church understand the significance of Israel and the Jewish people in God's heart. I would even look to September 11th as just one event in a large, big, grand picture of a God at work trying to wake the world up to see who he is. And I teach a message on the current conflict in the Middle East from a biblical perspective, an overview, and we look at how the conflict began in Genesis and how it continued throughout the scriptures and how it's going to culminate with the return of Jesus. And we look at Zechariah chapter, uh, chapter 12 where uh, Zechariah has a vision and he says at some point in the future the nation of Israel will look upon him whom they have pierced and they will mourn as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son and so Jerusalem is the epicenter of the past, the present and the future and the Jewish people in Israel as a nation play a significant role in that plan. This morning we're going to be looking at the letter to the church in Rome, and I'm going to be sharing with you God's heart for the nation of Israel, God's heart for Israel, God's heart for the Jewish people. And we are going to actually go through, yes, the entire letter to the church in Rome, all 16 chapters in 30 minutes. <laughs> people laugh at that, um, but we are going to do that, and it's going to, I see some snickers on one side and facial expressions in the back, but it's all good. We are going to cover the entire letter to the church in Rome in about 30 minutes, and we are going to be looking at how God has a heart, an enormous heart for the Jewish people, which the church in Rome didn't understand. 
stand. So let me give you a little, a little bit of background information, okay? So the letter to the church in Rome was written by Paul in about 54 A.D. Uh, it's signific- it dates there, it's 54 to 57. Um, but in this history, uh, first of all, nobody knows who started the church in Rome. Okay, Uh, Paul had never been to the church in Rome at this point, but he was writing a letter to the church that was established in Rome. It's important to know that in 49 AD, Claudius expelled all Jews from Rome. So if you were a Jewish person who lived in Rome, you were gone, you had to leave, or you were a dead Jewish person. That means that even people who were in the church in Rome who were Jewish, Jewish believers in Jesus like myself, I shared my testimony this morning in Sunday school, I was born and raised in a religious Jewish home, but even Jewish people who believed in Jesus had to leave Rome because of the expulsion, and so the church became primarily non-Jewish. And Paul is writing to a Gentile church, primarily Gentile church, this again is important for you to understand, who believed that God had rejected the Jews and the Jews had stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery. I mean, if you think about it for just a second, you look over here on, in Acts chapter 18, we read, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila and his wife Priscilla, who came from Italy because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Okay, so that expulsion was viewed, could have been very really viewed by the church as God's hand against the Jews. I mean, there was an expulsion. 2,000 years ago, if a group of people were expelled from Rome, then God was done with that group of people. He got them out of Rome. And so he's writing to a Gentile church primarily who believed that God had rejected the Jews, Israel, and they had stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery. The church in Rome, God was done with Jews. But Paul had to um, correct some of their thinking. And so we're going to look at the letter to the church in Rome in light of those two questions. Has God rejected the Jews and have they stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery? Now, if the church was thinking this, Paul is going to get to a point to correct those misguided questions. We're going to get there in just a minute. But we're going to start in chapter 1. Paul begins with a greeting. The greeting, you guys, uh, it's not on the PowerPoint. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, verse 1, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets. And so he established the Old Testament prophets as the foundation upon which the gospel was laid, from whom the gospel came. In the Holy Scriptures, what scriptures did they have 2,000 years ago when Paul was writing? They had the Old Testament. When I share my testimony, I tell people all the time, uh, I came to faith because I saw in the testimony of the Jewish prophets in the Old Testament 
a picture of Jesus. That's how I came to faith. And so Paul lays this foundation of the Old Testament prophets having been the ones to lay the foundation for us to have the New Testament. And then in chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for who? For the Jew. And then for the Gentiles, it's really important to understand that the word first in Romans 1.16 is the Greek word proton. Proton is a very important Greek word, and it means a primary focus on. Okay, it means a primary priority focus on. You all have heard the verse, seek ye First, the kingdom of God, and then all other things are going to be added unto you. This is the same Greek word. Seek ye first, primarily, priority. The first thing we need to seek is the kingdom of God, and then all other things are going to be added unto you. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So Paul is communicating to the church in Rome how important it is to take the gospel to the Jewish people. Next slide, please. There we go. All right. I told you we're going to do all 16 chapters, right? So we got to get through the next uh, eight really quickly. Chapter two. We read about the depravity of humanity and the judgment of God. Chapter three. The law is powerless to save. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Paul is laying a doctrinal foundation of faith. He's going somewhere in this letter. A doctrinal foundation of faith. Chapter four. We're studying this actually in a small group that I'm a part of. Uh, Abraham is justified by faith. Righteousness comes by faith and faith alone. We're not saved by the works of the law. Abraham was justified by faith. Chapter 5, we come to faith by the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have peace with God and we can be reconciled with God. Chapter 6, sanctification begins. The work of God begins in us. We're justified by faith. We come to God when we say yes to Jesus and then the process of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Chapter 6 and boy, chapter 7, we struggle with sin. Paul says, what I do, I don't want to do. What I don't want to do, I do. Wretched man that I am, but thanks be to God for the work. That he is doing in me in chapter 8. Our future is hopeful. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Church in Rome. God did all these things for you. And now let me help you understand. The Jewish people. And Israel in a little bit more depth. Chapter 9 verse 1. Paul says something that is absolutely amazing to me. I don't know if I can say it, but I can maybe get close to it because of what I've done for the last almost 40 years. But this is the great Apostle Paul, chapter 9. So he's taught us about the doctrinal foundation, how people come to faith, the separation of of, of humanity from God and 
then he writes in chapter 9, verse 1, remember he's writing to a church that believes that God has rejected the Jewish people. They've rejected Israel and they've stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery. He says, I speak the truth in Messiah. I am not lying. My conscience confirms. I have great sorrow, unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Church in Rome, I just want you to understand, he's saying to them, though you think that God has rejected them and they've stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery, I just want you to know that I would give my eternal life for the sake of them. Chapter 10, verse 1. question came up this morning in Sunday school. Do Jewish people have a special in? Do Jewish people, because they're Jewish and they're God's chosen people, because they are loved with an everlasting love, they are the apple of his eye, do they have a special way? Maybe God has given them something different. Well, we read chapter 10, verse 1 in Romans. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer for the Israelites is that they might be saved. Okay, well, why would he say something like that if he thought that all Jewish people were saved already? Paul said that he would give his eternal salvation for the sake of his people, those of my own race, the nation of Israel, my heart's desire and prayer for them, the people of Israel, is that they might be saved. And then chapter 10, verse 13. It's, this is so important to understand. Paul is writing about the nation of who? Israel. Okay, he's writing about the nation of Israel. And you all are familiar with these verses. In chapter 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you confess and are saved the scripture says anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile okay it's that that's very important that he said those those words there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile church in Rome the same Lord is Lord of all rich and richly blesses all who call upon him for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, in parentheses, church in Rome, even the Jews. Because you think God has rejected them and they've stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery. But I'm trying to help you understand that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Who's the they in these verses? Who is the they in these verses? Do you have any ideas? Israel. He's speaking of the nation of Israel. How can they hear if somebody doesn't say to them? How can they understand if the preacher doesn't go to them? That's what our ministry does. That's who we are. Going back to the Jewish people with the message of Jesus. And then we get to 11. Chapter 11, verse 1. Here are the two questions that we've been pondering this morning in the message. So now I'm going to ask you two questions. Church in Rome. I asked them, did God reject his people? Again, who are his people that he is talking about in this verse? Israel. The Jewish people. By no means I am an Israelite myself. So, church in Rome, if you think for one second that God has rejected Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish people, I want to give you an example. I want to give you an example. And what does he use as an example that God has not done with the Jewish people? Himself. He stands up and says to the church in Rome, actually you don't see him because they get this letter later, but he is saying to them, look at me, church in Rome, if you think that God has rejected the Jewish people, if you think God has rejected the Israelites, if you think God is done with them, look at me. I can say the same thing to you. Look at me. God is not done with the Jewish people. I'm a same part of the remnant of Jewish people of faith that Paul was a part of 2,000 years ago. Jewish people coming to faith. And he continues to explain himself to them and then ask them the next question in verse 11. Again, I asked, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? What's his answer? By no means, but something else has happened. Rather, because of their transgression. So, what is there? What was their transgression? What was their transgression? Anybody know? Rejecting Messiah as a nation. The nation of Israel rejected Jesus as the Messiah. It was actually prophesied by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He was despised and rejected by men. So Isaiah knew that the nation of Israel would reject the future Messiah. But by no means, their transgression, listen to this, because they as a nation rejected Messiah as a nation, salvation has come to another nation, in a sense. Y'all. <laughs> to do what? To make them 
envious. So I want to I help you understand church in Rome. Church in Rome. If you for one second think that God was, is done with them, no. And not only that, but because they rejected as a nation the Messiah who came for them, he opened the door, God, for you so that you can go back to them to help them understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And then, Romans 11, we're going to continue on. Verse 12, but if their transgression, which we know what their transgression was, means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles. So their transgression, the nation of Israel, as a nation, not every individual Jewish person, because Paul and I and other Jewish believers uh, for thousands of years have stood as a testimony to God at work in the nation of Israel. But their transgression meant riches for you. What more, what more, how much greater will, will, will their fullness bring? So as you see Jewish people coming to faith, as you see Jewish people accepting the Lord, what an amazing thing to see. And how it blesses the body of Christ. I am talking to you Gentiles, verse 13, and as much as I am an apostle to you Gentiles, I make much of my ministry. I plant churches in the hope that I might somehow arouse who? My own people to envy and save some of them. Back to our Sunday school discussion. Anyone who wonders whether or not the Jewish people have a special end. No, everybody needs Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so Paul was planting Gentile churches in the hope, here we go, in the hope that Gentile churches would go back to the Jewish people and say, guess what, guys? We found him. You're a Messiah. We found him. And then Paul gives a warning to the church in chapter 11. You see, what had happened is because the church in Rome had come to the point in 54 AD, remember Claudius expelled all Jewish people from Rome in 49, they'd come to the point where they were beginning to think not only that God has rejected the Jews and they had stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery, but they got to the point where they were thinking, we have now replaced them. We have now replaced them. And so a warning was given to the church in Rome in the form of a metaphorical story of an olive tree. The olive tree. Olive trees have natural branches and olive trees have grafted in branches that are grafted in contrary to the natural 
olive tree. They grow in the olive tree, but they're grafted in. And so the Apostle Paul says to the church, if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what would their acceptance be but life from the dead? If some of the branches have been broken off, that would be the natural branches. Are you guys following me? Okay, if some of the branches have been broken off, who are the branches that were broken off? Jewish people, because of their unbelief. But you, though a wild shoot have been grafted in among the others, so who are the wild olive branches? Gentiles, very good, that's great, so you get this. And now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not boast over the branches. Do not boast over the branches. Wild olive branches don't become natural olive branches. Natural olive branches don't become wild olive branches. They are in the same tree. I happen to be a natural olive branch that was broken off because of my unbelief, grafted in because of my faith. I think all of you are wild olive branches grafted in contrary to nature. We have one new man going on right here. Jew and Gentiles grafted into the same olive tree, faith, the same. But still, natural olive branch and wild olive branches. That hasn't changed. So church in Rome, you've received the gospel. Don't be arrogant. Don't boast. Don't be conceited. God is not done with Israel or the Jews. And guess what? They're coming back to the church. They're coming back to the church. So we see how Paul established a doctrinal foundation in the first eight chapters and then gave us this amazing information about God's heart for Israel and the Jewish people and the relationship between the church and Israel and the Jewish people and salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. So church, I want to help you understand that Israel and the Jewish people have a special place in God's heart and God's plan and they're coming back to Rome. So, so there's going to be more interaction between Jew and Gentile in the church. Therefore, chapter 12, I told you we're going to go all 16. Do not be conformed to this world, chapter 12, verse 1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And do not think of yourself, verse 3, more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given to you. So, Let's not compare people anymore, okay? Let's, that church in Rome, remember, God has a love for the Jewish people, and they're coming back, and so we want unity in the body. 
So don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And don't think about yourself more highly than you should, wild olive branches primarily. You've not replaced them. You've not taken them over. The expulsion was an expulsion, but they're coming back now. Chapter 13, listen to your leaders and authorities. especially Mike. Love your neighbor. Behave differently. Remember, the body of Christ, the body of Messiah is, is Jew and Gentile and black and white and slave and free and male and female, and we've all got to get together because our expression of love for one another is an expression of who God is. So don't be judging people based on things that aren't that important. Chapter 14, I love chapter 14 because I get, I have to go, I have to go here a lot as a messianic Jew, as a Jewish person who believes in Jesus. I have a lot of messianic friends or even Gentile friends who ask me, do you keep kosher? And I go, oh, I love lobster, I love bacon, I love ham. I love crab, I love oysters, all those things that are pork rinds. My, you're back there just, you're whooping it up and yay. Yeah, so I don't keep kosher. But, but in chapter 14, we read, hey guys, listen, Jewish people are coming back to the church in Rome and some are going to keep kosher and some are not. And you guys are going to eat ham and they don't want to eat ham. And, and so some can eat and some can't and some can dance and some don't. And some will celebrate and some don't. You guys are going to end up doing Christmas and they're going to end up doing Hanukkah. Jesus did Hanukkah just to let y'all know, but... It's important that we don't let those issues divide us. We need to live together in unity. And oh, by the way, chapter 15. So Paul was on a journey when he wrote this letter. And he tells the church in Rome about the journey. Because he wants to go see them. And in chapter 15, we read verse 23, But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions where he was. And since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. And it's so important, again, to understand that the church in Rome was very disconnected from the church in Jerusalem, okay? But the church in Jerusalem was primarily Jewish believers in Jesus, a very messianic church. Well, the church in Rome, again, we don't know who started it, but you, I don't know if you know how far Rome is from Tel Aviv and Jerusalem or Israel, but, but Delta will get you there probably in about four or five hours, I guess. Regardless, it's a far, it's a long way. And, and so there was a disconnect between those two churches, but... He, he says, I hope to visit you while passing through. 
to assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. So Jewish believers in Jerusalem who were a part of the church of Jerusalem. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. Listen to this. And indeed, they owe it to them. Owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews. To share with them their material blessings. And so Paul is saying to the church in Rome, we owe a debt of gratitude to the Jewish people. We owe them. And this happened to be a contribution, a financial gift. But I know that Paul would agree that the most, the greatest gift we can give to the Jewish people is not financial. The greatest gift we can give to the nation of Israel and the Jewish people is the gift of the gospel. The gift of Jesus. The gift that Paul said in Romans 9, 1, he would give up his eternity for the sake of his people, Israel. And so chapter 16, I commend to you, my friends, beware of false teachers. And then the last verse. The last verse of Romans, we read the first verse of Romans, we're going to read the last verse of Romans. Who? The prophets have revealed Messiah so that all nations might believe and obey him. The letter to the church in Rome, not a lot of people read it understanding that Paul had intent intention, that he saw a church in Rome that was believing something that was not right, that God had rejected the Jews, that the nation of Israel had fallen, to, stumbled so as to fall beyond recovery, and he just wanted to let them know how much the Jewish people meant, mean, and will continue to me as we look forward to the return of Jesus for us today I think the important thing is to remember the gospel Jesus sent his disciples out and he said don't go the way of the Gentiles go first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel our ministry spends a lot of time Leaving burdens with churches. Leaving a burden for mission. Back to the people who gave us Jesus. Let me pray for you guys.
Father, we love you and thank you. For this letter that oftentimes gets taken apart verse by verse, line by line, which is important. But thank you for a big picture, a letter to a church that might have not fully understood the depth of love you have for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Thank you that they exist, not because of who they are, but because of who you are. Thank you that the Jewish people stand as a testimony to your promises and to your faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, that uh, as we've opened your word today, that everything that I've said has been glorifying unto you and that you will take everything and I pray that people will leave uh, thinking about this letter to the church in Rome and pondering what is in it and we just thank you Lord that by your spirit you speak to us for anyone here this morning who doesn't yet know you I pray that you would touch them and that they would be drawn into a personal relationship with you by your spirit. We thank you that, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through you. And we know that faith only comes through your grace, and so we ask that you would impart your grace and that there would be those this morning who may not yet be of faith to come to faith. So thank you for this time. And for your word, in Jesus' name, amen. For Mike.